Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Mighty Thorcast. This is episode 37 we've got lined up for you. My name's Ed. I'm Terry. We try to get together periodically, hopefully every couple weeks, to talk about Marvel Comics Thor character. Uh, we started back with episode one, talking about Journey into Mystery 83, the 1966 volume, which would have been Thor's first appearance. Uh, we also try to cover Thor's current appearances as they apply in the 2011 volume of Mighty Thor and the 2011 volume of Journey into Mystery, which really hasn't been much Thor. It's been more Loki, but yeah. it applies to Thor. So Today we've got uh, Mighty Thor, the 66 volume issues 158 and 159 lined up, and... The 2011 volume of Journey into Mystery, issue 631, to talk about. So We are a spoiler podcast, but hopefully it's been long enough since they've come out, especially the 1966 volume, uh, yeah, that you won't be too spoiled. We like to spoil people, though. So. Yeah, you know, we talk about what we see and what we think and what's going on and everything. Pretty much in-depth so. on the books. So so we'll we'll let you know about the journey into mystery in case you haven't read that. I think you should have because that's came out maybe in November at yeah. this point. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not exactly sure when it came out, but it's been a little while. Yeah, Christmas happened and we kind of got a little bit behind. Yeah, so welcome back. Merry, Merry New Year, Happy Christmas, mm-hmm. all that all stuff. All that good stuff. Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, uh, the, what is the one for the rest of us? Festivus, have Happy Merry Christmas. Festivus for the rest of us, yeah. Whatever that is. So, all right. So uh, we'll start out with the Mighty Thor issue 158. And we just um, in 157 we just finished up with her our whole Mangog fight, where he was trying to cause Ragnarok and take over or destroy all of Asgard and and had that huge battle and of course. Asgard was victorious, as they always are. So or that's we would be talking about. Yes, or we would Thor be talking anymore, about Thor at all. So. We'd be talking about Mangog and his adventures. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, that's where we left off last time. So I think they decided to take a little break here, and give us um, newcomers, any newcomers that there are to Thor, a little background information because 158 is all about how Thor and Donald Blake came to be intertwined in each other's lives. And they even tell you halfway through, well, after a couple of pages through, that they are actually taking the first book, and they did, where Dr. Blake is somewhere out there. Norway. Norway, and sees the stone men and hides from them in the cave and finds the staff and turns into Thor, you know. It just it's actually they reprinted the book, the and pages in the book. That was Journey to Mystery eighty three. Yes. That, that story first. Yeah, where we where we first started out. But this um book was pandemoniously produced by Stan the Man Lee and Jack King Kirby with Vince Coletta embellisher, Sam Rosen Letterer, and I Forbush the Held Heraldry. Irving. Irving Irving Forbush did the heraldry. So like as I said, it's basically after Mangog and, and the whole fight, Thor comes back to Earth because this is where he has said he wants to 
help earthlings and, and live his life and protect them because even in their weakness they have great glory and power because he just he's just enthralled by the whole thing that we get up every day and, and trudge through even though we're little mere beings as we are. It just fascinates him. And he gets to reflecting upon um, Dr. Blake and who was actually Dr. Blake and who was actually Thor and how did this all come to happen, which is how we segue into our Journey into Mystery 83, where they actually reprint that whole story. And the art is so very different. I, I didn't realize it because we've been like reading forward just book by book. But the art, when you go back from today and, and go back to the first one, it's the... Jack Kirby has really advanced far mm -hmm. on the Thor, I think. Anyway, so it goes back and retells that whole story of the Stone Men and, and how Dr. Blake ended up in the cave and finding the cane, stick, whatever, that uh, turns him into Thor and how all that happened. And, and, and just it's an actual reprint. It's, it's what we're saying. It's a reprint. So it ends up with him wondering just who he is with Blake wondering who he is yes with Blake with wondering, wondering through he is wanting wanting to talk to Odin and and discover you know just exactly because he can he can as Dr. Blake he can still have memories of Thor he he remembers some of the villains that Thor has fought he remembers it's like he has little flashbacks of of Asgard and he thinks about Dr. Foster and the fact that you know he's forgotten all about her because now there's Sif and he's just at the very end he's just like but what happened to the original son of Odin why why was his hammer left abandoned in that cave I've got to know I've got to know he's full of angst at the very end of this issue. very angsty very angsty so that's all of issue. That's why I didn't go page by page. If you want to hear the whole story of how he started, go back and listen to our first podcast. Yes. Because that will that's exactly what this whole book was about, was the first podcast that we did. The and first. read the 1958, I think, or older, the original volume of Journey into Mystery. I can't remember what year that it started. Uh, this book, the the... Issue 83 that Thor was in is from 1962. So, 55 volume of Journey into Mystery. No, I can't remember when it started, but... So, we'll go right into book 159, which tries to kind of answer some of the questions of that Dr. Blake has about himself and Thor. And we start out with, who is the real Don Blake? The answer at last... This is also Stanley, Jack Kirby, Vince Coletta, and Sam Rosen, our fabulous four. And it starts out with Dr. Blake in surgery, being told by his nurse slash assistant that he is still a fine surgeon, that he was a, he's as skillful as he ever was. And he's just like, well, how did I, how did I become a surgeon? What, what, what's actually been going on here? And his... Um, as he's musing in the, in the hallways of the hospital, one of his colleagues comes up and says, have you been away on vacation? And then he thinks to himself, if you can call the life and death battle with Mangog and far off Asgard in order to prevent the coming of Ragnarok a vacation, yeah, that's where I've been. And his colleague comments upon how he uh, appears to be very tired 
and he needs to maybe have a better vacation than the what he's had where he could rest a bit more. So that's a rather lengthy memory mm-hmm. of an in-depth memory of An in-depth Thor. memory of so Thor. So that one's not just a flash or anything. Yeah. I mean, he remembers what happened. Yeah. And uh, he, he reflects in his mind, you know, he's right, I am tired, more tired than he could ever know, but not from what I've done here. But I think I'll take his advice, and I, and I think I'll rest a bit. So he goes into, they have quarters for doctors usually yeah, in the where hospital can, where, you can, yeah, where you can lay down. Yeah, a long shift. And, can... and he goes to lay down, and he thinks about um, Thor and himself and how he could be Thor when Thor has lived for ages. So who was Thor before he found the mallet? And how did Dr. Blake come to fruition? And, and he's like, I've got to learn the answer of this. But the only place it can actually be found is, is Asgard. So he decides, and I didn't know this before this issue, he decides if he just lays really still and kind of like tries to wipe his mind of any thought that Thor will take over his thoughts and he will get some answers. He's, he's like the memory of Thor will take over if I can just suppress Dr. Blake enough. And I'm like, hmm, okay. Which to me just kind of further like clouds yeah, the whole issue. What the relationship is really between the two. Clouds the whole issue. So he, as he dissolves all earthly thoughts, he uh, he sees himself showing up on Bifrost, the Rainbow Bridge, talking to Hemdel. And he uh, is asking Hemdel everything is, and Hemdel's like, well, everything's fine. And, and he goes on into Asgard, and he's so happy to see his home. But he's like... But if this is home to Thor, what of Dr. Blake? Who is he? And how did he find the hammer? And how did I become him and he become me? And even while he's doing all this, Loki is looking on him and he can feel it. He can feel Loki's evilness. I just, you know, Loki is ever prevalent. Why in the world he ever brought him back, I don't know. But anyway, he goes to the palace because he feels that the only place he can find any answers is with Odin. Because after all, Odin is the All-Father, and Odin knows all. He knows everything, and he is the the cause and, and the end of everything that happens. And Thor asks him, said, can I ask you a question? And, and Odin's like, yeah, well, of course you can. You're my son, and I love you. So come on come on forward. But you don't really have to ask anything. I know what you want to know. I, I, I know everything, so I know what you want to know. And he says, um, you shall have the knowledge that you seek. And at that moment, Dr. Blake wakes up in the hospital in the doctor's lounge and says, something's different. I'm not alone. There's someone in my room. And it's the voice of Odin says, Odin, yeah. I, will, I will tell you now what it is that you want to know. I'll, I'll, I will fill in all this gaps and you'll know exactly what's going on. So in his musings as Donald Blake, mm-hmm. Odin has heard mm-hmm. and has in, in old Parlance granted him a boon uh-huh. as as a as a god. Uh, you seek knowledge, and I shall grant you that knowledge. Mm-hmm. A very it, it's funny. I mean, it, it seems you know the way it's written and everything. It just seems like a nor a, a natural progression of the story. Well, he's sitting there, laying there, you know, wondering what, and then finally Odin realizes or or hears or whatever. And and that is such a an ancient 
oral and written traditional kind of thing that's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in myth stories, you know, all over the place that I have read, us us frail humans request and beg of a boon and and a god in their in their um magnitude grant mm -hmm. whatever it is whether it be you know rain or or the, what knowledge is what he's seeking and so odin uh reaches down to this this mortal to give him this knowledge and it just it seemed like a very you know a lot of these stories in, in my mind have been very modern of the time kind of thing but this uh r happening in this story is such a an ancient thing that has been repeated and so they kind of went in their modern uh expressing of these things they are expressing a, an ancient written entertainment kind of tradition and saying oh the god will you know and mm -hmm. it just it struck me as uh an interesting thing all of a sudden because they've been weaving this old myth with new stuff and and everything and then here all of a sudden they just go like in a way completely old school mm -hmm. and so okay sorry so odin is um starting to explain to dr blake why and where he came from and he and he tells them the story all started back with the truce that was signed with the um, storm giants that no one would go into the storm giants area of of habitat yeah, with, without whatever. their without their permission the, and, and it has a name i, I can't remember off the niffel top helm Niffel niffel n i N-I-F-F-E-L-H-E-I-M, Niflheim, Niflheim. Oh, oh, you see it somewhere? Yes, I do. You're looking at the thing? Yes, I do. Oh, right here, okay. Yes. And, um... Sorry. Thor broke the truce. Yeah, figures. He was chasing a bird beast <laughs> and was hunting, you know, was, was hunting it and chasing it and did not really mean, I mean, he didn't purposefully right. go into the storm giant's homeland it's just he was chasing the beast and he didn't want to give up the hunt kind of like hikers in the middle east that will be arrested by iran for hiking in their territory it's like they started country. out in in perfectly fine territory Wherever, where they're allowed and, to be yeah and you know just kind of stumbled across the line and there you go so thor has is has been found out by the storm giants that he has done that whilst he's following this huge bird and he's like I'm, i've done you a great service i've 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 hunted and i've and i've killed this beast and they're like we don't care you're on our property yeah. you're not supposed to be you're on our property you are going to die and he's like but i don't understand i'm thor i'm the prince of the realm and i wasn't doing anything wrong and they're like yes you were you need to die. Crush the insect. Played on the same thing in the movie. Yeah. With the with the frost giants. Yeah, yeah. And Thor's like, well, fine. If I have to fight, then I'll fight, and I will win because I am the son of Odin. So there's this huge fight between Thor and the and the giants because you know he's wandered onto their property, and he traps some of the giants by by making a mountain fall down on top of them. But a ball of flame all of a sudden comes toward him, and he's like, oh, the battle's not ended yet. 
some more storm giants are using their deadly fire tubes in order to <laughs> to um, shoot big balls of flame at me. And Balder comes up and says, Thor, I have found you at last. And Thor's like, well, what sport now lies in the store with thee behind me in the fray? Let's just go. Let's go. And, and Balder's like, no, no, we, we, have to, we have to leave. We're trespassing. You're in the wrong, and we have to go. And he's like, well, you would have me, have me flee from combat? And Balder's like, yes, because we have to honor the royal treaty. And Thor's like, well, yeah, you're, you're kind of right. Well, I shouldn't be here, so we have to, um, to leave. But we, you know, let's, and the giants are still throwing things at them and trying to fight them. And Baldur's like, yeah, we got to go, but, you know, you've got to deal with Odin when you get back home because that was his treaty that was signed yep. with the giants, and you have broken it. So Daddy is kind of pissed at you. So we switch back to Blake and see this huge face of Odin speaking to him. I guess so he has a frame of reference to look at. And he's like, Okay, so far you've told me this, but I don't understand. You've shown me a confident, godlike, headstrong Thor, but what's that got to do with me? And Odin's like, well, can't you see? Your fate and his are one and the same. And, and Dr. Blake's like, I don't get it. Where do I enter in the picture? What have I done? I have no memory of anything you're speaking of, and I don't know what you're talking about. And Odin's like, well, it's, it's as I planned it, because Thor is just too full of himself in Odin's mind. He comes back and he's there um, in the bar fighting with, you know, arm wrestling with a couple of people, bragging and saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all strong and stuff and you're just going to lose. And I think that they're kind of, the other guys are kind of betting on him, yeah, you know, so, having yeah. a little bar bet here trying to figure out who's going to win. And, of course, they're all saying, well, Thor's going to win, and, and Volstagg is there. And, and he's like, man. And they start, the crowd starts kind of getting rowdy, and, and they start saying that Volstagg is helping Thor, and a little fight kind of comes out, and they're all battling and, and talking smack to each other. And, and, and the Warriors three get behind Thor and say, all right, now, you don't want to take us all on. You know, we're, we are the greatest warriors here. And Volstagg's like, and my very name makes armies tremble. He is such a braggart, Volstagg is. Yeah. So they're all bar fighting now. And Odin calls a halt to it. Says, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of these shenanigans. I'm, I'm tired of you all just being stupid. So he tells Thor, you know, Stop. Come here. And as we're hearing this story, Thor, um, Odin is also telling Dr. Blake, and now do you see? Now do you see? You, Thor, you're lacking in humility. You, you, you are so much a braggart and, and brash, and you just you need to learn your place. You need to, to understand what weakness is. You need to understand what power is and what pride is, and you just need to grow up, basically is what he's telling him. You need to grow up. And he shows him Earth. Apparently, Thor had never seen it before. Midgard, he'd never been to Midgard Yeah, because he was like, what is that? And, and Odin's like, that's Earth where the fragile mortals dwell. 
and that's where you're going to go and learn how to be humble and you'll be God of thunder no more. Thy, the, your memory's going to be stripped away, and I'm going to send you down there. So that's what Odin does. He sends him down to earth with his memory stripped away, and here is where Dr. Donald Blake, well, do, well, where Donald Blake begins. When Thor lands on earth, he lands as this man, Donald Blake, fully grown on a university campus with his limp and his cane, and he just thinks, well, the name Donald Blake sounds right, so that's what I'll do. Now, what am I doing here? Oh, I'm uh, registrar's office. Okay, and that's what starts it. He, and he says now, while he's, he's, he's seeing this, Odin is showing him this, so this is why Dr. Blake never had a past. He has no past. Because there is no he past. Because there is no past. He was fully formed as a young man getting ready to go to medical school. Donald Blake. Odin created him. And he figured out, he's like, oh, so the Odinian purpose, I love that, the Odinian purpose was to teach me how to deal with a handicap and overcome it and how to be humble and serve man. And Odin's like, you're so right. That's that's exactly it. And then he... uh, he remembers finding the, the 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 staff, and he picks it up from he, after the end of this whole explanation from Odin. He picks up the staff, and he says, "In spirit, I am Doctor Blake, but it's Thor that I've always been." And he smacks the the staff down and becomes Thor, and that's the end of this issue. So that's the explanation of where Doctor Blake came from. For now. For now. But I mean. At some point, they are able to exist as two separate entities. Mm-hmm. And so does that mean, which I guess it does, while he's Thor playing wherever he's playing, Donald Blake does not exist. Right, and he, that's even been said if, in a few issues, if you've noticed. You've disappeared. When he you comes back, been you've around. been gone for weeks. Yeah. Where have you been? And he kind of explains it off as vacation or... So rather than, like, say, a Tony Stark... Um, no, not a Tony Stark. Let's see. Well, I guess they're, I mean, it's it's kind of Spider-Man-ish. Thor and Donald Blake can't be at the same place at the same time. Like Spider-Man and Peter Parker. They uh-huh. can't be at the same like place Batman. at the same time. Yeah, Batman and Bruce Wayne, because... Mm-hmm. They are the same Yeah, person. there's no way but to... But then later on, unlike Spider-Man and Batman, they do become two separate they, they entities. They do separate, or... They just start writing them separately. See, um, I I never went this far back in my Thor reading, so I guess I never knew that they truly that that Donald Blake only existed because Odin created him. And maybe later on, Odin, who can do anything he wants to, will separate the two. Yeah, who, who knows what happens? I mean, yeah. in in comic books, anything can happen. Anything they can, can do happen. anything. So I mean, but. That's the fun of comic books. Well, that's interesting. I, I'd be curious to see if there's ever been a reference to, if he's ever made reference to mortal parents or anything like I've, that. I or don't remember anything not in so the readings that us. we've had so far. No, no siblings, no nope. when I was a child, no memories of parents. Mm-mm. Huh, okay. That's, that's kind of interesting. I, I never, 
never thought of that. And actually, when I was reading, I, I still wasn't necessarily cluing into that until you said that's what had happened. And I was like, okay. Because I still thought that he had, like, put Thor into this person. Uh-huh. He had chosen a person and said, Poof, Not and created kind of stuck him in that person. Uh-huh. But then you're like, no, he created that person at that point. I was like, okay. Yeah. So... I guess for right now, as far as the origin of of Don Blake, we'll we'll stick with that. That's our our knowledge of the origin. Now, mm-hmm. Thor does have a mother, and does have. We have seen adventures of Thor as a youth and mm-hmm. and things like that. So, but not Don. Don has only existed since his. Uh, early 20s, mm-hmm. which would be about the proximate age for being in college. Okay. All right. Well, uh, there we go then. All right. The last issue uh, we've got for today for this episode, which again is episode 37, is the 2011 volume of Journey into Mystery, issue 631. So if you haven't read it, uh, this is where you la 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 or you just turn us off. Yes. You know. Indeed. We won't know which, so our feelings won't be hurt. This is uh, created by Mr. Kieran Gillen as the writer. Wils Potasio is the penciler. Alan Martinez and Jeff Hewitt are the inkers. And Arif Prianto and John Rausch are the colorist. Clayton Cowles is the litterer. And let me just say to y'all at the onset that... Um, People, the characters, are drawn so differently that if they did not label them for me, I would not know who they were. I have never, in the opening picture, Odin is standing over his brother's body. I have never, ever seen Odin drawn in this manner to look like this. Well, the dark hair and dark beard, I I thought Odin's were white. I know. I've, ne- so. I have, I've, I've never seen them. So if they didn't label these people in some way, well, they don't actually have labels, but no, you know, but if they I weren't mean, talking yeah. about them in the context of the story, letting you know who they were, I would have no idea. So, so whoever the artist is. Wills Pistachio. Wills Pistachio. He did not follow anyone else's uh, renditions didn't of people. L- use a whole lot of. Well, now, for Loki, he did, though. I mean, you can tell Loki, if nothing else, because of his dress. Yeah. His face doesn't look any... He looks a whole lot older yeah. in this one than he has been looking because he's supposed to have gone back to like 15 or 16. He looks like in his 20s here. But yeah, Odin was really... That was odd. Uh, I'm I mean, not the sure. Desir looked totally different from how I've seen the Desir yeah. drawn before. Everybody just looked so totally different. If they If they weren't talking about them by name in the story, I don't think I would know who they were. But anyway, that's just a, a thought that I had while I was okay. looking at this book. The story opens with kind of a recap of what happened uh, at the end of Fear itself with Odin uh, deciding that he was going to safeguard his brother for uh, all eternity or until his brother woke up. Or I, I'm not really sure what the point of that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't understand. But he went, Odin, took his brother... Boar? No. Uh, his name is escaping me, and they didn't list it here. Um, the serpent. Boar is one of Thor's brothers, I think. But, yes, the serpent is what they called him. 
um, Odin took him to Asgard, the Asgard that Odin had created for fear itself, actually. The realm of Asgard took him there into the new city fortress of Asgard, broke the Rainbow Bridge so that nobody could get to him, banished all of the other Asgardians to Earth. So the only people in the, uh, we'll call it, I guess, celestial Asgard is Odin and his brother. Nobody can get to it because the Rainbow Bridge is broken. And Odin no longer rules the current Asgard. Instead, the ruler is called the Vanir, V-A-N-I-R, who is the All-Mother, as opposed to Odin being the All-Father. So it's a triumvirate of female characters now that are ruling the um, Asgardian universe, as it were. And they are uh, Gaia, Freya, or Frigga, depending on what you look up, and Idun. So it's it's the uh, a, a triple goddess, a, a triune of goddess, meant to represent the mother, maiden, and crone, uh, conceptually. So that is now who is ruling Asgard, the All Mother. So things th that automatically leads the writers to be able to go lead Asgard into a completely different direction. I think because they are females is what they're saying. Mm -hmm. So females are going to be ruling this in a different way. These three females represent three different aspects of um, Asgardianism, shall we say. So all three of these aspects will be represented in you know, the rulings, decisions handed down, the, the things that get done. Loki is also uh, very unsettled by Tanaris, his brother, or really he doesn't think that that's his brother. As a matter of fact, he's pretty sure that's not his brother. His brother's Thor. Thor is the Thunder God, but everybody says Tanaris is the Thunder God, and nobody seems to remember Thor, but Loki does, and he's pretty sure that that's his brother, not this Tanaris dude. So he's really kind of torn about all that as well. Although that's not the story for this issue. That's not, you know, that's just something that's weighing on his mind. Uh, something that I'm sure he will fiddle with, which is what Loki does. He just fiddles with things. Instead, we still have some fallout from Fear Itself that Loki is having to, mm, not necessarily deal with, but, but agreements that he made and uh, contracts and decisions that he made, all of that... Uh, they're finally coming to fruition as far as things, thereof. things he set up to accomplish what he wanted to in fear itself. Now, yeah, in essence, payment is due, mm -hmm. and so he's he's evening all the all the scores, evening pay, paying all the tabs and and whatever clean euphemism up. you want to use. So he's doing clean up. The first one we have is the Desir, who have been kind of holed up uh, outside of the. The Fortress Asgard, which is the original Asgard that crashed Earth. And this is, I, I'm not sure how to separate all this so that it, it's understood. In essence, now, there are two Asgards. There's the one that 
Odin is on, which is cut off. Mm -hmm. But that's more a celestial, almost like another dimensional kind of thing. Whereas this Asgard that has crashed to Earth is not the dimension or land of Asgard, but it's actually the fortress Asgard. The castle. So the the name Asgard is used many different ways. Mm -hmm. Now, even farther back, there was an issue with the world tree and something happened with the world tree and it disrupted the nine realms, which are, to me, I don't know if they're like dimensions or if they're actual places that you can just like walk to from Asgard, but they're they're other lands where all these other creatures of Asgard live. Those nine realms are kind of coming back into alignment the way they were before the world tree was damaged, as far as the way they're writing it in this issue. Now, I don't know if that's really what's happening, but to me, that's kind of the way they're writing this, because Mm -hmm. we see at least one, two... We see two of the realms kind of originally the way they were supposed to be. So, but uh, the first is the the Desir. Um, time has come. Loki told him they would be free of him if they helped him in the fear itself, which they did. Now he's going to uh, give them their freedom, uh, honor his oath. The the binding of them to him is uh, signified in a small crown that he wears, which I believe was a crown originally taken from one of the Desir. Mm-hmm. Way back, didn't she? Didn't she wear a crown? And uh, held around his neck uh, as as the symbol of that. So he gives the crown back to the lead of the Desir. And again, um, for those of you that, that maybe don't know, the Desir are like, once upon a time, they were handmaidens to the ruler of Asgard. But they were cursed. And so now they live as kind of vampires who prey upon the dead of the Asgardians. So they're kind of like zombie uh, soul suckers. They they suck the souls from zombies. And they themselves are kind of zombies. They're dead or undead or however you want mm-hmm. to put that. So that, that's what the Desir are. So the, Loki has freed them from his bondage, but they find out that that's not the end of it. Apparently there is a, another agreement, another contract in play that Loki kind of borrowed them because they were the property of Mephisto. Mephisto agreed to let Loki use them. The Desir, I don't know if they weren't aware of this or if they thought a different arrangement had been made. But in actuality, what happens is the Desir are no longer pledged to Loki's service, but that has absolutely no bearing on the property rights that Mephisto has over them. Mm-hmm. So Mephisto still owns them, and much to the uh, chagrin and dismay of the Desir, they are returning to hell. Um, hell? Yeah, hell with two L's, which is Mephisto's domain, 
not as residing in his domain, but as his property. Yes. He he owns them. So uh, they are, are being taken uh, back to hell by Mephisto or by his demons or however it works. And Loki is genuinely, um, I wouldn't say maybe saddened mm -hmm. by the fact that the Desir were led to believe one thing and they truly believed that only to find out that that wasn't the case. I don't, I don't think he's upset about anything other than the fact that the Desir didn't get what they wanted. Mm -hmm. He's not upset about what he did. He's not, you know, so it's, it's kind of a tricky thing. He's, he's upset about the end result, but he's not upset about the whys and the wheres of the end result. Just that one thing. So after that, we move on. He makes a visit to the uh, All Mother's throne room in Asgard, and, and each of them have different aspects. Um, Gaia, I believe, uh, is holding a baby and uh, has a baby. Well, no, that wouldn't be her. Gaia is holding a baby. Uh, Idun has the golden apples, which is part of her mythos. The golden apples, I believe, are what gives Asgardians their longevity. And then that would leave uh, Freya, or Frigga, who is kind of the huntress uh, aspect, um, among other things. Gaia is the nurturing mother. The huntress is Freya. And then Idun is youth, vigor, all of that. So many different aspects of, of possible femininity, two of them in particular, the uh, mother-nurturer and the vitality, um, definitely feminine attributes. The huntress in tune with nature kind of thing. Uh, the the nature mother, which is a, a very well-known aspect of, of female uh, godhoods and in, in other belief systems. But here it's portrayed more as a huntress, as... Uh, as dominating, I think, over the nature rather than as being a part of it, which is more the the normal normal ways. So, still in trying to to finish up all his agreements and everything, he approaches the All Mother because this is another agreement that he made, and he tells them that Hela, the Asgardian goddess of death, is asking to have her own land set up again as it once was, which she lost her land as part of that damage to the world tree. Mm -hmm. And she has been kind of renting part of Mephisto's domain, which also is hell, but it's the, in essence, the Christian hell with two L's, um, as opposed to the Asgardian hell, which is not what it's called, but the ruler is called Hela. So... They're like the same thing in the same place, but now she wants to separate it back to the way it was. So there, Loki is asking the All Mothers to grant her, I, I don't know, I guess space somewhere, basically, mm -hmm. is a, a land, to set up her own land for her, her people, of course, which are the dead, again. So the, um, the All Mothers agree, uh, which... 
is is what Loki's after. But the the scene I think is more about these other things that go on. They are asking him about his studies, which I'm not exactly sure that I was aware that he was studying any or uh, I'm not sure what that reference is exactly to. Me neither. He he tells them what he's doing that he's been playing on the internet and uh, he's learned some things from that. All the running around that he's been doing has been good for his health. They, they make mention of that. I'm not quite sure what the what the point is of that. I think it's just to make them to appear motherly. Okay, could be. Yeah, he's how, a boy. How school? Yeah. How, okay, I guess that makes sense. Um, he's about to leave, and one of the all mothers, I do, who you know really hadn't said anything, and he thought wasn't going to say anything, on the way out does ask something. Mm-hmm. Another one of the machinations that Loki did, Surtur, uh, the demon god had been, in essence, banished and trapped somewhere. Well, as part of all his machinations, Loki let him out. And the All-Mother is asking why. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, basically he tells them that, well, he released Surtur in the Serpent God's Dark Asgard to destroy it. And actually, per the story... That was the last we heard about Surtur. So we really don't know where he is or what he's done, Mm -hmm. just that he is on the loose, or not necessarily on the loose, but not captive. So we find out that the All-Mothers are aware of that. Uh, Then they ask some questions about the Destroyer armor, which Loki mm, borrowed Mm -hmm. during Fear Itself. And they're not so much concerned about that, but the fact that the Destroyer armor was active with Loki in the same places at the same time, which means Loki could not have been controlling the armor. So they're asking, basically, um, just who was your accomplice here? You know, who was working with you? And Oki, Oki, Loki says, well, you know, he, he doesn't really matter, uh, doesn't remember. You know, all of that is still kind of foggy, even though all this other very minute stuff that he has to get done. He's running around getting done, but this one part of of the the story he can't seem to remember, which they kind of let slide, but they realize that he's lying to them, and I I suspect that this will somewhere later on come into play because they want to know. Mm -hmm. And I figure they want to know, you know, to punish or to, you know, talk to or something. There's going to be something there. Um, so he decides to not tell them and, and, you know, really holds out on them. And they say, well, you know, that's okay. Just keep in mind that, you know, Odin would have beaten the answer out of you, but we're not going to. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll just discuss this another time. And so they allow him to leave and continue on with the, the finishings of all his deals related to fear itself which we now go to Hela. And we see that Hela and Tyr and Leah and the Honorable Dead, which is who Hela presides over, are all 
now going to Niflheim, which is the name for Hela's realm. Uh, her own place, not part of Mephisto's. Go and, and have a good time. Here, your place is back. You know, go to it. As they go, Hela tells Leah, who is her uh, right hand man, protege, I guess, her sous chef. Yeah. That you need to stay with Loki. And that her staying with Loki is apparently part of an another part of an agreement that he made, which again I, I don't know that I'm I'm privy to. Me neither. I don't know why she would have to stay. The way Hella says it, it makes it sound like this is some kind of agreement between she and Loki. Lee had no idea, which obviously she didn't. So so now Lee, who is also she she is a, a dead ass guardian. So really she has no reason being with the living, but she is going to be. Uh, stays with Loki, and Loki has set her up in a cave, kind of as a time being, but says that he will come back and help her set it up in in like a, a more livable fashion. But as it is, he just kind of dumps her in this cave and goes. Next up, we go down to Mephisto's hell, um, his, his realm here. And we see that Mephisto is writing a letter to Loki. <laughs> and he writes the letter on the back of one of the Desir and then cuts her flesh out mm -hmm. and gives it to another of the Desir to deliver to Loki. The Desir who provides the letter uh, skin is the leader, as far as we know, of the Desir. And I guess this is... Uh, part of her torment, perhaps even part of her punishment, we see that she is wearing the crown that Loki gave back to them. Uh, it's it's like tattooed onto her head. And the Desir delivering the message apologizes to her for the torment she's having to undergo, but the leader, Brune, just says, nothing is permanent, all we have to do is wait this out. So she's laying there being tortured, plotting revenge against probably Mephisto, probably Loki for putting her there. So I'm sure this is something setting up that we will see again as well. Back in Niflheim, uh, Tyr and Hela are having kind of a, a moment here. Basically, Hela says that for now... Your your place and your station is what it is, but in the future, you will have more. And the way the way that it's implied here is almost like she has plans to make him her paramour. Mm -hmm. To round the story out, um, Loki winds up back at the All Mothers, discussing with them. And the outcome of this conversation is that the All Mothers realize that there's going to be a lot of things going on in Asgard. And that in different ways they're going to need help doing what they now want to accomplish being in charge. 
And as such, they need somebody to um, spy for them. To be the fall guy if something to, goes wrong. To, to be the fall guy. To Skate do those goat. things that they can't do officially but still need to be done. Mm -hmm. And so basically they have said they may call on him to do any of those things. And they don't, you know, they're not really asking or they're just saying. They're blackmailing. These things are going to happen and when we need you to do them, we'll let you know. Mm -hmm. And he's like, uh, and Loki's know. like, yeah, because you know all these secrets about me and what I've done, and and uh, if everybody finds out, then they'll start playing their favorite game of Loki football. I like that part. Loki kicking him around. Yeah, kicking him around. So he's like, so I guess I have to do whatever you tell me. Yeah. To so do. all these things he's been finishing up and everything, they're privy to. Yeah. They know what he's doing. Not sure how they know, but they know. And we end up in uh, Muspelheim, which is the second realm. Um, Niflheim and Muspelheim that must be in its correct place because this is the land of the demons and we see that Surtur is here uh, returning I guess in essence to his land and he picks up his tools and starts forging weapons mm -hmm. uh, as the I, weapons of doom. I assume a part of his next plot or, or basically he returns to being and doing what he is and does, mm -hmm. I think, is is the symbology there. So he's going to play into the story as it goes forward as oh, the villain. Oh, one of yeah I'm, yeah, I'm sure it'll be. So the land of the demons and the land of the dead is both are, are back to business as usual mm -hmm. after having been disrupted way back with the. Um, damage of the World Tree all the way up through all these other aspects of the Asgardian Marvel Universe till now. Now we, you know, we still haven't seen about other realms, the dwarves, the elves, uh, storm giants, frost giants, you know, some of these other places. So the last we heard is all of those realms were so disrupted that the remaining people from those realms wanted to live at the Castle Asgard. Mm -hmm. Which, as far as we know, they're still in the process of fixing. We, I mean, we don't, we don't know otherwise. So there, there still is kind of a lot, in my mind, up in the air about what has happened since the World Tree was damaged and what is going on with it now. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if, if these things will be covered. I don't know if they have just been... Uh, forgotten about until they're needed or what, you know, but there were nine realms in the Asgardian cosmology. Asgard was just one. Midgard was just one. We're familiar with those two. Uh, there are seven others, two of which have come back. So that leaves five others, but Asgard as a realm really doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. All that exists of Asgard, the realm of Asgard, is the castle Asgard, which is crashed to Earth. So, I, you know, we don't know about Asgard's, um, the realm's place in all this. Uh, the Rainbow Bridge is broken to the new realm of Asgard, mm -hmm. but can they make another new realm of Asgard and another new rainbow bridge, you know, so they, they they seem to be doing things and I don't necessarily know that <laughs> everything is thought out very 
very far when they're doing it because it, it seems to be kind of jumbled and confused at times, at least to me. So between Journey to Mystery and the new Thor, we'll, um, we'll see, which brings to mind, let me just say, I do not like all the different things they're doing with the Silver Surfer in Marvel uh, that, that don't match up. Right. Uh, he's in, in a new book, a new Defenders book, and he's made some other appearances elsewhere. They just do not jive with the fact that he was grounded on Earth. All of his cosmic powers were taken away according to what the way that story read at the time, which now I see that they weren't. So I... It's like you have all these different writers using the same characters and they're making up whatever they want to about them. It would be like in in the murder mystery genre if you had a hero, but you had six different people writing about him and they all said he had this different past and they all said he did all these different things. Yeah. I, it's You need one, you need continuity. Well, see, and I, I understand that nowadays continuity just gets kicked in the nuts yeah. by these comic book companies. And and I'm I'm getting used to that. I don't like it, but I'm getting used to it. But the least they could do is not use a character multiple different ways at the exact same time. I mean, he's appearing in two or three different books as completely different aspects. Yes, yeah. different people. And, and different I'm just people. like, well, no. I mean, that, that's just, that. it's not right. Yeah. It's just not right. You know, say this book took took place before this book, and so he was this way first, and now he's this way, and he's going to be this way. Okay, you know, you can finagle it and leave it, but they're not. Two or three of these books are occurring concurrently mm-hmm. with completely different aspects of the Silver Surfer, mm-hmm. and it's just nobody has tried to explain it. I'm the first person that has said anything on the Internet that I know of. I haven't found Anybody else asking this question? Well, do you think that maybe other people aren't reading all these different? Well, it could be, but there there have to be people who are. Okay. The secret or the the defenders is a book, and right now Thor. And I want to say that I saw that Silver Surfer appeared somewhere else in something, and and I, I can't remember. But those are two main Marvel titles. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would think there has to be more than just a few people who happen to be reading both. I don't know if they don't care. I, you know, I, I don't know. But it just bugged me because I liked what they did with the Silver Surfer and Thor. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he appears in Defender, in Defenders like he was before what they did in Thor. Yeah. But as far as I can tell, what happened in the Thor title should have happened before what is going on in the Defenders title. But we we don't have any placement. Nobody has said anything about any continuity or when they occur. So you're just left believing that they're occurring concurrently. Completely different. Now, I have read the most recent uh, issue of Thor, and I can add to Silver Surfer saying, yuck, what they did with Silver Surfer in that book sucked. And it is so out of character and so what the heck is the point that I'm just ugh these people are handling Silver Surfer in a very in a very poor way and he's uh-huh. been around since uh, way back in the 60s I think maybe 
uh, a Stan Lee creation, and it, it's just, it's not cool. It's not cool. So, all right, guys. Um, I think, well, I don't think, but I know that those are the, the three books that we wanted to talk about this episode. Uh, Miss Terry, anything you want to add about mm. any of the books no. or anything? Kind of took a little time off there for issue 158 and just pulling pages from another book and slapping them in that one and saying, yeah. There. Well, everyone I've noticed every once in a while they like to go back to the mythos and kind of, kind of in case you're a brand new Thor person, you can kind of yeah catch up and see what's going on. At least it was consistent. Yes. It was the exact so consistent. Th- it was the exact same page. You know, so that that's cool. Um, okay. Uh, next episode we've got the sixty-six volume of Mighty Thor issues one sixty and one sixty-one, and the two thousand eleven issue. Uh, volume, excuse me, of Mighty Thor, issue 8. Mm-hmm. Which, if I recall, is a month old because I believe Thorcast also has a Google Plus page. And if you do happen to download it from iTunes, please take a second, leave us a review. And yes, Mighty Thor 9 did just come out this month, so 8 is over a month old, so that shouldn't be too spoilerish. And I think that is all from us this episode. Yes. Thank you for downloading and trying us or consistently downloading, whichever kind of listener you are. Thank you all you new listeners out there. Um, This will be the first official Thor of 2012. Woohoo! So that's cool. Happy New Year. And we, uh, I guess we'll talk to you guys again here in another week or a couple weeks with some new stuff. We'll talk to you guys then. Bye! This is a Teal Production.